episode one of the sticks and blades podcast i'm your host doug marsh on today's episode for episode one we got a special guest we got my man my friend tuhan brandon jordan from derobio screamer how you doing today man doing good happy to be here uh, great man i appreciate you taking your time out your day man just to uh you know bless our show man for ep1 my pleasure my brother all right so thanks for having me yeah no doubt so before we hop into all the martial arts stuff I just want to go ahead and uh, congratulate you, my brother, for, what, 39 years in the arts now? 39 years, yes. <laughs> Long time. <laughs> yeah, that, that's crazy, ain't it? Because I don't know. It really is. Bro, I don't know how it is for you, but for me, it's like, when I first started, you know, I was a, I was in all the people that were in it for like a year. I was like, dang, man, you've been doing this for a year? Yeah. And, you know, two years, you're in all the guys doing, you know, five and so on and so forth, and... Like right now, I'm coming into my 22nd year, and uh, wow, yeah, it, it went by fast, man. It's like you know, I went from being this 19 year old kid to this 41 year old man, you know. So it, it really does. It flies by fast. I mean, it's just like you look up and it's like, wow, all the look at all these years that have gone by. I would have never thought I'd been doing it for this amount of time. I literally just looked at the calendar this year and I just said, wow, wait, 39 years, like. You know, when you're doing what you love, you don't, you know, you don't keep track. It's just time goes by when you're doing what you enjoy. Yeah, and that's exactly it, man. It's a passion thing. It's a love thing. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, I've been teaching now for, what is it, 13 years. I've been teaching Pekiti Tertia for, yeah, 13 years since 07. And, you know, how wow. many how many years you've been doing uh, Derobio or teaching Derobio? Uh, well, let's see. So I've been teaching Derobio, well, I've been doing Derobio now close to 27 years. That's how long I've been doing Derobio, almost 27 years. Yeah, 27 years now I've been doing Derobio. It's a long time. (laughs) (laughs) It is a long time, man. It's a lifetime for some people. (laughs) But anyhow, like when you first started out, man, you know, I understand that like, you know, doubt, it creeps in and, you know, as an instructor, you're trying to find your voice. You know, you, of course. you don't know. It's like, well, should I be teaching like, you know, grandmaster so-and-so? Should I be teaching like my direct teacher? You know, what should I be doing? Yeah. And um, so my first question, what it comes out to, man, is how do you define leadership, man? And, and when did you realize that you actually had the skills to lead? <laughs> That's a good question. Um you know, I think I think when we talk about things like leadership, I think it deals a lot with, you know, the integrity of how a person lives their life, you know, how they are with their family, their loved ones. If you have, you know, a family at home or children, spouse, your parents, things like that. I, I think leadership, you know, starts with that. You know, my, my parents always told me that to be a good leader, you have to be a good follower, you know, and you also have to be a good listener. So I know a lot of times, you know, you know, people sometimes will seek to get into certain positions and whatever, you know, it just for myself, it just kind of happened. You know, I just, I've been training with my teachers and, um, you know, time went by and, you know, from time to time, you know, when you're doing martial arts classes and stuff like that, your teacher will ask you, Hey, uh, you know, work with this new student who just came in and, you know, bring him, you know, put, you know, show him the basics. Right. You know, and, you know, and that just, you know, that was kind of my experience. You know, I, I had some friends of mine um, that I knew from high school and things that were still in high school. And so, you know, when, when class would be, you know, school would be out, they would come to the school where I was training at, you know, to take some classes and things like that. And so, you know, I was the person tasked you know, with bringing them up to speed and showing them the basics and, you know, the offense and defense and things like that of the Derobio system. And, uh, and, and I just came to really enjoy it. And, you know, I think for me, a lot of the teaching just came about, you know, there was a time um, when I moved out of state from New Mexico um, for a brief time. It's gone maybe a year and a half or so, but I was still keeping in contact with my te- my Derobio teacher and things like that. But, um I, I moved out of, I moved out of state. I moved to California for a while, you know, looking for work and a job and just, you know, needed some more time to grow up and just kind of spread my wings on my own. 
and there was nobody to train with. Like at the time where I was at in the Bay Area, I, I didn't know of any Filipino martial arts schools to train in, other places to go and do some cross training. And I knew of Dan and Asanto, but I was in the Bay Area. And so I thought the Bay Area was, I, I, I didn't know there was a difference between Northern California and Southern California. I just thought California was California. So when I get to the yeah. Bay Area, come to find out, you know, where Dan Asanto was at, he's like, you know, eight, nine hours away in LA. Dang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> my teacher said, "Listen, when you get to California, you know, get up Dan, you know, Guru Dan Asanto. You know, I, I can see if I could set up something for you to be able to go there and train, whatever else." And here I am, literally on the other end of the state, from being able to access him. So I just got together a group of guys, some friends of mine, you know, people that we, you know, coworkers, you know, friends I went to the gym with, and things like that, and just you know, started showing them some basics, just so that I could have an opportunity to be able to remember and refresh over the things that I had learned. So, you know, I really hadn't started teaching from the perspective of wanting to be a teacher. It was more just that I needed somebody to work out with. So, you know, my teacher just said, listen, you know, sometimes you just need a workout partner. Just find yourself a couple workout partners and go from there. Yeah. And get some people that you can go over this stuff. And that's really, that's all it ever started out as. It's yeah. just having some workout partners. And then next thing you know, it just, as time went by, you know, people were coming and it went from just being workout partners to me actually, you know, leading classes. And, you know, that was how it all started. So let's go back then, man. Uh, I know for me, like my first class, I had like this perfect class <laughs> drawn up. It's like, OK, we're going to do this and, and everybody's going to look like that. And then you, <laughs> <laughs> then you get out there and you realize it's like, dang, this teaching thing is a little hard, dog. Wow. <laughs> you know, shit. It is. Yeah, it, it, it's no joke. You know, no, it's not. So, so take me back, man, to your first training session that you led. You know uh, that you're talking about as far as getting these uh, people together. I mean, you know, we were just out in the backyard. You know, I mean, you know, I had taken a uh, a couple like four by fours, like you know, big like like fence post, and dug some holes in the ground and you know stuck them in there. And you know, we were doing like just you know, it was ghetto, man. It was ghetto training. You know, we hmm. just took some, you know, like some. Uh, <laughs> some old feet cushions from couches and took it like wrapped it around the four by four and, you know, duct taped it so we could have something to punch and kick, <laughs> you know, and we just wrapped as much as we could around it. Like, you know, you hit it a few times, you don't put enough on there and you hit it, you feel the wood. Oh, that's, that's not going to work. Well, I'll be getting some more, some more foam. All the trial and, and error so, stuff. Yeah. You know, trial and error on ourselves, you know, I wasn't like, yeah, I wasn't even, I wasn't even 20 yet. So, you know, it's just, you know, it was trial and error. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, showing, you know, just the basics of things, you know, showing, you know, first, you know, first couple angles of offense, first couple angles of, you know, counter offense or defense, whatever you want to call it. And, um, you know, here I am expecting to like, you know, go into like some flow and, and get things together, whatever else. And then, you know, you're, you're trying to show a technique and you're expecting the person to repeat what you just showed them, you know, and then you get hit, you know, you get, you know, and especially with the weapon, you know, you just, you know. It's a different situation where you got somebody hitting you in the head with a stick or hitting you in the hands with a stick. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I realized really quickly that uh, a lot of what I was, you know, what I was trying to teach and whatever, you know, that I really had to, like, sit down here and not just teach based upon what I thought I wanted to show, but really kind of pay close attention to, you know, the people that I was teaching and make sure that they really understood what was going on. You know how it is, you know, you're training and stuff like that, and you you, you, you want to get into it, you want to show off, you want to, you know, you want to do some things that you've learned yourself and whatever else, and everybody else doesn't know what you know, so they don't know how to flow with that, but, you know, you know, people freeze, you know, you know how it is, you put a weapon in somebody's hand, people freeze. Yeah, and one of my or teachers... They, or they don't give the energy you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, it's like, that. this isn't the way it's supposed to go. So, right. <laughs> like, like, one of my teachers, I remember he would say, yeah, that's nice. You know, I, I would sit there and, you know, this is a, in my Aikijitsu days, you know, Professor Lee, he would always say, you know, hey, you know, take take the new student, show him this, show him that, you know, sim similar to your story. Right. But, you know, I'd start doing all this complex stuff. And I remember one day he pulled me aside. He's like, look, man, he's like, you can do that, but he can't, <laughs> you know, so you right. you, you really I, I feel you on having to humble yourself, man, and just kind of taking a step back and. It's like, well, hold on a second. And, you know, for me, in regards to teaching, you know, that's when you when you start to realize how much you actually don't know. You know, that's right. you know, you're you, you might be a great practitioner, 
you know, but t- this teaching thing, you really have to have the patience. And I know in my uh, my 13 years of teaching, I always joke with my students. I said, you know, I quit at least two times a year, man, as to where I've had it. You know, this <laughs> this thing is just ridiculous. You know, I start to lose my patience a little bit. And then I, I have to dial things back and, and start asking myself, you know, why am I doing this? You know, am I doing right. it? Am I doing this to to, you know, number one, I, you know, I ain't making no money at it. But are you trying to make money at it? Are you trying to get some type of status or are you doing it? Or are you doing it because you love it? And, yeah. you know, this is a lifetime endeavor. You know, if you've been at this for 20 something years, why the hell would you want to stop now? You know, right, right. I think that's being honest with oneself, though. I think everybody, I think a lot of people have that similar question, that similar query. I just think everybody is not always honest that that's what they, that that we all go through that experience. Everybody wants to say, "Hey, I've been doing this stuff for the last 50, 60 years, and I never once thought about quitting." I, I just, I, I'm not convinced that that's true. You know, <laughs> right. uh, you know, it, it sounds cool to say that and whatever, but you get hit, you have different things happen, whatever else. There are moments where we doubt ourselves. And we wonder whether or not what we're doing is what we should be doing. We may not tell everybody that that's what we're thinking. But if you're being honest with yourself, there's always some point in life where there's something that you're doing that you dedicate an amount of time to. And maybe you're not seeing the results you wanted to see or, or maybe just things are just different, you know, you know, when in practice than what you imagined in your head. Exactly. And then you kind of go, well, what am I doing? Why, why have I been doing this? Is this worthwhile my time? You know, are these the right students? You know, and this that I makes mean, part of teaching also is having the right students. It's not just about your ability to, to convey the information, but, you know, everybody doesn't get along with everybody. You know, it's like making friends with people. Everybody is not somebody that you're necessarily going to have a friendship with. Right. doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that person. It just means that you and that person might not click. So when you open up a place and you say, hey, I'm here teaching, anybody and everybody just shows up. And some people you just don't click with. And, you know, and, and, and that, you know, that informs, you know, how you teach and, and what you show and you know who you want to teach what to and, and, and things like that, you know, and, and especially, you know, if there's no money involved, I mean, which is what I've always enjoyed. And yes, of course, so let's charge, you know, I charge, you know, you know, you know, when I show up, you know, the guys, you know, the students and things like that, they pay what they can or whatever, but I don't have a set fee behind what I charge. And I do it that way because I don't like money to dictate who I teach. Like I teach the people that I want to teach. If I like you, I teach you. Yeah, that's, if, if, if you're that's, not someone that I click with, then I don't need you to buy me. That's what it is that I have. That's exactly it, man. I mean, like for me, I you know I have a small group. On a good weekend, I might have four people show up. You know, right? It and I get in, inquiries all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and the way that I gauge whether or not I want to teach somebody is, is how they approach me. You know, somebody's approaching me, ask, right. asking me, you know, Hey, am I going to learn knife? It's like, you know what? Uh, let me refer you somewhere else. You know, this might not right. be for you. <laughs> That's <laughs> you, right. You know, cause this, this is, it's dangerous. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to sit Extremely. there. Yeah. You don't want to put, put something in someone's hands to where they can go and, you know, mess other people up but that's right but getting into the art man with derobio you know how how did you end up getting started in a uh, derobio and and how were you exposed to the filipino martial arts <laughs> uh let's see <laughs> so you know i had been training you know what everybody else had been doing i, I started off doing karate and you know shonru and, and shotokan with a cousin of my when I was a little boy and, um, you know, I lived in New Mexico, you know, for, for, for a long period of time, you know, from the eighth, eighth grade or so on and up to grad school. And, um, so, you know, I had been trained different styles, you know, doing Taekwondo at this place, you know, uh, you did have my little stint with ninjutsu and, and, and things like that. I studied some, you know, Chinese Kung Fu, you know, Hungar and, and Wing Chun, you know, just whatever I could try to, you know, get involved in and whatever. And uh, I remember stumbling across um, a book on, uh, I think it was uh, Kavala Serrata's Scream. It was, you know, Mark Wiley's book that he had put out years and years ago. Yeah, I remember long that time one. Ago. Yeah, I remember yeah. that one. You know, and I saw the book at, um, I think it was at Barnes and Nobles. It was Barnes and Nobles or Borders? It was one of those two bookstores. Oh, Borders. Borges Barnes and Nobles. <laughs> 
And I, I saw it, and I was just, I, I was really fascinated with just the way it talked about the principles of how things are done, and you know, just a, a principle-based system and things like that. And I bought the book, got home, I got myself, you know, a little, you know, broomstick, and, you know, cut it up, and <laughs> decided, you know, start trying to practice the stuff I saw in the book or whatever. And I just, I was really fascinated by by what I had seen, and just, you know, to see like. So this is what happens if you swing into this angle like this with a stick. This is what it looks like a similar entry if you're empty-handed. I, I was just I was fascinated because a lot of arts that I had trained in before, and it's not to take away from them, but you know, different arts, you know, Okinawan arts and things like that. It's like you have an empty-hand system, but the weapon system is literally like a completely different art form. You're learning a whole new art once you go into weaponry. Exactly, it's completely it's a completely like there's not a. There, there is, it's, there's not an overlap of, okay, what you do empty hand here, you do the weapon, you do something similar. It's a completely different art. And so I always had an issue with that. You know, I took all these clinics and workshops about, you know, weaponry or whatever else, and just it, it, it never felt accessible to me. I just didn't feel practical. You know, I mean, and where I grew up, you know, I, you know, I, I, you know, I grew up in difficult, difficult circumstances. A lot of my friends, you know, passed away before, you know, before they made it to 20 and, and things like that. So, you know, I was in a situation just as a kid where, you know, I needed to know how to defend myself right now. Like, I don't have 20 years to try to figure out a bunch of techniques. Exactly. Because any, anything could pop off, man. I mean, this is New Mexico. You know, Albuquerque has this high murder rate out there. Folks are getting shot all the time. And, you know, knife, stab, whatever else. So I was like, this isn't going to work. Like, the amount of time it's going to take me to learn this. You know, I might not, I might not make it that long. You know, given what's happened with some of the, you know, my friends and people that I know, and so uh, I, 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 you know, was just, I was working, um, was working at Pizza Hut at the time as a as a cook, and uh, you know, I was walking down the street and I had seen this school off of uh, what was it, it was Zuni and uh, San Mateo. I think that was the street it was on. It was the Zuni schools, one of the old schools that uh, uh, Grandmaster Senior Grandmaster Medina was teaching at. And I just walked by this, this, you know, before that I had had this dream about this, this, this old guy doing, you know, swinging sticks and, and <laughs> doing some Philippine martial arts. Literally, I had a dream. People don't believe that I had a dream about it. And uh, so, you know, I, I see this face of this small, you know, uh, petite, short, little Filipino man in a window holding a sword in his hand. And I said, that's the guy I dreamt about. Mm. What is this? And I see it on here, you know, uh, you know, Medina's Asian Fighting Arts Institute. It's got this big banner out there and the eagle on there and whatever on the school. And I was like, wow, this looks like some, this like who is this guy that I this looks exactly like this person, whatever. I walked by the school. School was closed at the time, whatever else. You know, I'm trying to establish time to figure out when I can come in there from around work and everything else. And uh, and and I just I when I seen that picture, I just knew that's. That's where I need to be. Something just told me this is where I'm going to end up, like sinking in and, and learning, and whatever. So I showed up at the school a couple of days later. People were there training and whatever. Folks asked me who I was, my background was, and this and that. So I've done a little bit of this and a little bit of that and this. At that time, you know, uh, Grandmaster Medina was only taking students who were, if you were a second or third degree black belt, he wouldn't teach you. You know, at the time, I was like a brown belt. You know, I didn't have a second degree black belt or anything else like that. So listen, we put you on probation for the next three months. If you make it you know cool you know if not then hey no harm no foul and uh you know i mean i'm in there in the class you know a lot of adults and you know older people folks you know who you know had all these extensive backgrounds in kempo and muay thai and you know and all these different you know since we would train with you know uh ron van cleef and you know black belts under him whatever man and and i just you know and 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 you know training back in those days it was just on a cement floor we just had like a little thin red pad <laughs> to fall on and that was it. Yeah. And I just felt, and I just fell in love with the training. I mean, I was there, you know, from the moment the, the doors open for training, I would train with the assistant instructors. We take a moment, we go click close up, we go get lunch, and I would come back and train the evening session. I just, I couldn't get enough. I just, you know, once I started training that, that was where I wanted to be. And I just, you know, I, you know, my, my appetite for it, you know, I, I couldn't get enough of the training. Yeah, man. Isn't, that's how I stumbled across it. Isn't it funny? That's the way that it kind of works out, man. Because <laughs> it, it, it's similar, similar to my story too, man. I mean, not to take away from what you're saying, but it was the same thing, man. I'm 19 years old when I first start, and it's like I was there six days a week, man. And I'm driving like 46 miles round trip. It didn't matter. 
you know and it, it it's amazing man that uh it really is what, what martial arts can do you know like it literally saved my life i mean because yeah, absolutely yes yeah, absolutely i was i was kind of running in a bad circle myself and you know I'm, I'm i'm just thankful man that for at least an hour and a half a day I wasn't in those circumstances, you know, because exactly, you know, Lord, <laughs> Lord knows what would have happened if I would have been hanging out in that stuff. So, yeah, with uh, Grandmaster Medina, you know, so he was the person that uh, brought you into Dorobio. Am I correct? Yes. OK. Yes. And how was it learning from him, man? And uh, how long did you did you spend training with him? It was very painful. <laughs> <laughs> it always is, ain't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, you know, and I say that in jest. You know, back in the day, uh, when I first started training with Grandmaster Medina, people spoke about him in very whispered tones. Everyone was very afraid of him, uh, and rightly so. He's 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 an extremely deadly master of of of, of martial arts across the board. His his background. And so many different martial arts. He's 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 got so many black belts and so many different arts. It's, it's unreal. Wow. Um. Yeah. I mean, you name it: Chinese, Filipino, Japanese. You know, so many different systems. He's he's been in. I mean, he was in the Navy for 22, 23 years. So he traveled around the world. You know, several times and, and had opportunity to train with a lot of different masters and get ranking and different things. Um. You know, back in the day, you know, I I had heard this. You know, people had mentioned. Yeah, I heard his name. You know, off and on. People say, oh, this guy, you know, Maestro Medina, you know, he does this to people, he does this and that, he, he does these techniques for these people, he's making it, like, he's got, you know, all these people are coming to train with him, and, and people, like, you know, people look like like they don't know anything about martial arts. I mean, and that's how it was. Like, the people he was training, if he was show stuff, you got third, fourth, fifth degree black belts in here in class, and he's making these guys look like they just started doing martial arts, like they couldn't figure out their right foot from their left foot. <laughs> and, la- and, and, and laughing about it while he's doing this. It's just, he always brought that humor to the class, which is how we taught. And, uh, you know, so when I had said, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm training here, whatever, oh, you got to be careful with this guy, you know, I heard he did this, this guy already put some guy in the hospital, whatever. You know, you know, you know how people mention, people spread rumors and say things that are not true. It's just like when somebody's really good or something, and something, people just, all of a sudden, this the stories get embellished and you hear more of all these new crazy fish stories about somebody, yeah. about something that's happened with them. Yeah. And I just said, well, this sounds like somebody I want to train with. Cause like, if, if he's got it like that, then, then I need to be learning that. Yeah. Show, show you me, know, you show me. What's about to pop off. So listen, <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm going to take the chance. For real. If, if, we, if he's going to show me how to get it in, let's do what it do. Yeah, no doubt. So, you know, I just, you know, I started training with him and, you know, I mean, he was, you know, at that time, you know, Dan, everybody used to call him Dan House of Pain Medina. That's what they gave him a certificate for it too. Yeah, yeah. For, for being known for inflicting pain on every imaginable joint on the human body. Jesus. <laughs> and, you know, when I would train with him, classes were very fast. They were very, uh, very meticulous. You know, Dan never showed a lot of the te- same things twice. You know, uh, and, and he would say that, you know, fighting's like scrambled eggs. You never scramble the same same two eggs twice. You know, he always had certain, like, you know, phrases and, you know, idioms that he would say as class. He would teach. He would show one thing and he would say, okay, go ahead and work on that. And everybody would just be all like, we'd all be shaking our heads like, what in the world did he just do? Okay, throw another one. And then he just goes in and he does whatever blitz red technique on everybody. And we're all just stumbling trying to figure this out. So I got lucky, you know, um, I asked him one time if I could, you know, take some private lessons with him. You know, hey, yeah, I can study with you privately and whatever. And of course, he took this as an opportunity to really test me out and see if I was really serious about it. So I said, yeah, yeah, come on through, come show up at my house. You know, we'll do some private classes and that. He takes me out in the park, and you know, and I trained with him literally until I was puking outdoors. Oh lord! It was just I was I was laid up. Like I, after I, after the training with him that day, I think I was laid up for like a couple of days after the training. It was just that intense. But. uh you know, it, but you know, but as painful and difficult as it was, I was hooked. I was like, "This is exactly what I'm looking for. Like, this, this is this is what I've always wanted to do." And I was blessed. You know, I mean, I, I had an opportunity to live with him for several years. I, I was a living student, living disciple uh, with him, and lived with him and his family for for a period, for several years while I was in school and things like that. So, you know, he worked. You know, he still works for FedEx, but at the time, you know, he was working out. You know, working out, of course you know, on the planes 
And so he would come in, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning and I would stay up and then we'd be in the garage training and going over stuff. And it was once I, I developed that type of relationship with them was when I really got to understand the essence of what Dorobio was, of what he was teaching, what he was imparting, you know, and that's when he really starts to like break down the finer details. It was like the class was kind of like he would teach, but in a way it was also him getting his own workout in as well. <laughs> Before going to work, because he Dan would always Dan Master Jim would always teach classes in his in his FedEx uniform. It was where he, we never seen him show up in the screen uniform. He had his FedEx uniform on and his boots. And so we trained. He's like, listen, we teach you 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 train in what you're going to fight in in real life. You're going to fight in the streets and your jeans. You're not going to have your karate gi on or whatever your 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 vest and whatever that we do in Kali and whatever else. Like mm-hmm. somebody's going to somebody's going to fight you. You're going to be wearing whatever it is that you got that you left the house in. Yep. So we don't need to sit back. So let's just dispense with all these formalities and whatever else, and come to class. Like you got your school T-shirt that you got, but other than that, you'll, you're you're, you're going to train like what you're going to most likely find yourself in that situation being. Uh, and so that's how you know you know when I work with him privately and live with him, he started to explain to me the, the essential principles behind what made the art and what it was. And you know, and I trained with him, you know, formally. Uh, 2001, I think, was when I got my full instructorship from him. So how many, uh, how many years in was it before you uh, became an instructor? <laughs> I started training with Dan when I was like 16. Oh, Lord. So, yeah, I started training with him when I was like 16. Uh, and so I trained with him the first patch of time from 16 up to... Uh, 2021, 20, 20, 21, 22. Dang. Something like that. I was 22. That's a lot. But, I mean, I was, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was with him, you know, six days a week, uh, six hours a day minimally. Right. You know, I mean, I, yeah, I was, yeah, I, I, I go to the classes that he taught and, you know, and, and he taught at multiple locations. So all the schools that he taught at, I was at every one of the various locations in the, in the, in the city that he taught at. I was there for all those classes. And then beyond those classes that he had me teach classes as well at a warehouse that we had so I could get more time in teaching while I was in grad school and stuff like that. And then on the weekends, I would spend the night at his house with, you know, at, uh, for the, over the weekends. And so I would get more training in over that time as well. So I mean, it was just burning in hours and hours and hours and hours of training. And, see- and then one day, he decided, okay, hey, let's going to have a test. We had, you know, we had a test. He tested us for like three weeks, myself and some of my classmates. And then he said, hey, whoever feels like they really got it, you know, this is what we're going to do. He invited me to his house one day and said, hey, you know what, you know, uh, train hard over this week and whatever else. I want you to come show up my house Monday morning or whatever. And you and I are going to go out in the front yard and on the backyard and we're going to go at it. And I'm going to see what you're made of. Damn. Bring your weapons. Let's go. So I showed up like, let's do this. <laughs> Word. <laughs> Oh, like you know, you're young and everything else. You know, oh, hey, all right, let's do this thing or whatever else. And you know, and I was ready. And you know, and I showed up, and you know, I had my bags and everything else. Knocked on the door, and you know, he just come on in. I'll be with you in a minute. Came back out, and I had my weapons out the bag, like I'm ready to bang. Let's go. Let's get it in. And because that's just how he trained me. That's that was his mentality. And uh, he hands me a certificate. Listen, you had the balls to show up at my house, man. Like. You know, anybody who got the balls to show up at another grown man's house with a, with a weapons in hand, talking about you ready to fight, <laughs> you gotta have you gotta have some big balls to show up at somebody's house like that. Yeah, no doubt. That are just that'll be dumb. <laughs> One or the other. Uh, and so I just I showed up and he was like, "This is what I was looking for." You got heart. And after that, that was it. I mean, the sky was the limit. After that, after that, I mean, I moved to other states and I went and trained with other teachers and you know, trained different arts and whatever. But like, you know, I always, I, you know, to this day, I've always maintained my relationship with him. Everything that I did from other teachers or whatever, I always brought it right back to him to show him what I was learning. And then he would show me how to integrate it back in with him, what he had been teaching. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And I know like years ago, man, uh, when I first started Pekiti Tertia, you know, I'm, I'm looking around, and I noticed at the time, it's like, wow, you know, there aren't too many black men that are actually training this art. Now, nope. now, keep in mind, man, 
like to me, when I first started training, my training group was like the only training group in the world. I felt, you know, that that's my whole world. And so I'm looking around. I'm like, wow, you know, I'm one of the few brothers in here that's actually training. <laughs> and I know at the yeah. time there was one other uh, guy that I had met that was a, an instructor. And I was like, OK, well, you know, we got a guru, man. OK, got a black guru. That's cool. And, you know, the years have passed, man. And, you know, I'm not saying that that Pekiti Tertia is is prejudiced or anything like that, because it's not. There are several, you know, black men that are in leadership positions now. Sure. And um, we have one black Tuhan. But prior to that, you were the first black Tuhan that I knew about. (laughs) You know, I, I, I don't know why, man, but I. I decided to get on Google one day and I was like, you know, black two Hans. Let me see, man. <laughs> like literally, man, I was, I, I said, I said black two Hans. And it said, it said two, two Hans, Brandon Jordan. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, damn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I see you had a YouTube video and I'm like, okay, this cat's nice, man. But, um, to me, as far as I know, you were the first black Tuhan in the Filipino martial arts here in the United States. Now, when you got elevated to that level, was there any type of pushback, you know, not just from you being a, a black Tuhan, but also from you being young? Listen, there was a pushback from me being the first red shirt in first first black man ever to make red shirt in Derobio. <laughs> so could you explain you know, what red shirt i was 21 22 years old when i made red shirt what is red, red shirt, shirt it's, it's it's full full instructor full oh maestro. Got, it. got it you know maestro my full maestro and inst- level instructor uh you know uh so i got that rank and whatever and um you know at the high rank i mean you know in drobio you've got several so classic classic drobio the way master padoy taught the way grandmaster padoy taught it yes four levels of white shirt Four levels of black shirt. So four levels of white shirt's beginning. Four levels of black shirt, which is like advanced. Four levels of blue shirt, which is like assistant maestro. And then several, le- and then you go into red shirt, and then there's several levels of red shirt. There, at the time, there was maybe like five levels of red shirt, five or six levels of red shirt at that time. Um, you know, a f- full instructor. So, you know, here I am. You know, I was the first black man. And the youngest in the history of Drobio that I know of to become a full red shirt. Long story short, here, you know, red shirt in, yeah, I got this red shirt. Red shirt in, in Drobio indicates this person's knowledge is deadly. So white shirt means their knowledge is just beginning. Black shirt, their knowledge is feeling like the pages of a book. Blue shirt is their knowledge is as deep as the sea. Red shirt, their knowledge is deadly, you know, because of the blood. Yellow shirt represents their knowledge is all encompassing. That's considered the highest echelon, the highest level in the art. And at the time, like Master Padoy just called himself Master Padoy. It was only when he passed away people started calling him Great Grandmaster Padoy. He never called himself Grandmaster Padoy. He was Master. You're either an instructor or you're the master. That was it. Because he said the real master was the creator, or, you know, the grand architect. So, uh, you know, here I am, uh, you know, full, you know, <laughs> red shirt level, <laughs> you know, deadly, so-called deadly level instructor. There was a lot of pushback. I had pushback even from people in Derobio about it. Folks sending me letters and, oh, you're not really this and that, and da 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 and we're issuing you a death match, come on through to Hawaii so we can get it in, and we can do this and we can do that. You know, um, you know, and, you know, it is what it is. You know, I, I, you know, I was, at that time, I was like, hey, I'm happy to take on any and all challenges, and even he wants to let's go, you know, uh, because that's just, you know, I, I at the time, you know, I think I felt like I had a lot to prove and whatever. And, you know, and it's, it's not an easy situation. You know, I mean, I, you know, um, when I got that rebel and that rank, I knew that that meant that I was opening, that I was now open to having to take, potentially take challenges of people who might decide they, you know, might want to fight or whatever else within these arts and, and, and things like that, whether it's in Filipino martial arts or in other martial arts, because, you know, once you take a level like that, sometimes people want to see what you're made of or see if you're you're worthy of or whatever. And here I am, you know, a very young man at the time, uh, you know, holding a, holding a level like that. There are a lot of people, you know, in their 40s, 50s, 60s, I'm sure older than that, who personally felt like it was an affront to them to have a young man, much less a black man, 
calling himself a full, you know, full instructor, you know, of Filipino martial arts. You know, everybody didn't take well to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, uh, you know, people's opinion about me is is it's not my business; it's just their own. Exactly. So, you know, I, just, I left it at that. I was like, listen, you know, and I remember saying this to Dan. I remember saying this to Grandmaster Medina saying, listen, you know, <laughs> you know, are you sure I'm qualified for this and this and this? And he was like, look, man, like I've been all over the world. I've trained with these different people, whatever else. And like you can hold your own with me. So and, and I know what I've done, you know, I mean, you know, he was, you know, he's, you know, held various positions in the military and things like that, you know, throughout the, his time in the military. And he's like, so. Like, you know, when I, you know, when I compare your skill level and your skill set to what everybody else is doing, you are at their level or higher. And, and, and that was a big thing, you know, I mean, and everybody didn't take well to that. A lot of, you know, folks in, in the Dorobio didn't take to that. And a lot of people in Filipino martial arts in general didn't take well to that. I mean, you know, Master Padoy's school was one of the first schools in Hawaii that was known for accepting people of all races and all creeds and all backgrounds. Um, You know, but you know, and and there may have been some other African Americans who passed through the school, whatever. I'm not aware of it, of, 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 of whether there were or not. I, I do know that, you know, I was the first to become a foreign instructor, you know, in, in Derobio. You know, even training in, in classes in New Mexico, you know, there were some people who were cool with, you know, black folks being there. There were some classmates that maybe, you know, felt a certain way. Yeah, a little apprehensive. so happy about it. Exactly. You know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and they told me that they, and they told me how they felt. Like, it wasn't like it was speculative. They made it clear that we don't like you and we don't like black folks and you got no place here. And I was like, well, listen, if you got the skill to take me off the floor, then, then I'll walk off the dojo. I'll walk off the floor. If not, then, you know, you're going to have to deal with it. And it is, and, and that's, that's just what it is, you know? And, uh, you know, many of them to this day are not currently trained anymore. So I think we've, we've, we've established that point uh, with them about that. And uh, then, you know, as time went by and, uh, you know, uh, I became a two-on. It's, it's, it's funny because <laughs> I actually became a two-on in, 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 in uh, the rank of two-on. You know, uh, t- uh, Tuan Guru, which is like a, a senior master, some people call it a grandmaster, whatever, depends upon who you ask. Right. Uh, in Pinchak Sila, in Kuntao Sila, I was actually given that rank first by uh, Maha Guru uh, Cliff Stewart and Hati uh, Kalini uh, and, uh, uh, you know, Grandmaster Gerald Sartre, several other African American grandmasters. They were the ones who all came together and converged together and sent me a certificate in the mail one day as a two-on guru <laughs> so, in, in Kuntao Silat. So let me ask and you. So that's how that happened. Let me. I don't mean to interrupt you, man, but Cliff Stewart, he's a very interesting figure, man. Um, yeah, he is. I've seen, I remember seeing his book, I believe it was called War. Yep. And that's it. this was back in the 90s. And I'm like, you know, who is this brother, man? You know, this kind of kind of strange you know it's kind of strange i ain't never seen a brother you know doing this type of thing you know but uh could you tell everybody about like who cliff stewart is and his importance in regards to uh the martial arts his place in the in the martial arts tapestry of the united states or in the world cliff stewart is one of the one of the most knowledgeable and one of the deadliest martial arts grandmasters on the planet uh hands down you know he's trained with everybody you know, he was, you know, he, he trained with Guru Dan and Asanto uh, for years. Um, he was uh, a personal student of the late Pendekar uh, Paul de Tours, of uh, Pinchak Silat uh, Buki Nagara, and uh, Pinchak Silat Sarah, which is the, the, the private system of, uh, of the de Tours family fighting arts. Wow. It's a very specialized system. Of of, uh, of of Indonesian martial arts, you know he's trained Filipino martial arts. You know he trained Larry Hartzell. Uh, you know he trained with Jean Lebel. He's got a black belt in judo. Jean Lebel. He trained with Gokor Tervichian. Dang. I mean, you name. You know, I mean, he trained with Andrew Kabalas. Andrew Kabalas. You know, taught him a lot of things hands on. He trained with the late Nary Grandma Nary Babal. I mean, there's there's so many. I mean, he trained with uh, Dr. Mong Ji and uh, Burmese Bondo, uh, you know, you name it. 
and you know the thing he's really known for it. And of course, he he also trained one of the, his one of his really well known teachers is the late uh, senior grandmaster Ed Parker of uh, Parker's American Kempo. Yeah, he's a tenth he's a tenth degree in that. And uh, okay, so Guru Cliff is one of the founders. He's one of the three. I want to, I think I want to say he's one of the three or maybe four. I believe it's three primary founders of the BKF, the Black Karate Federation. And so they put that together because back in the day, African-Americans weren't being given opportunity to really compete on a fair level within uh, the, the tournament circuit. And so himself and um, what's his name? Um, uh, C. Joe, uh, Steve, uh, Steve Muhammad. Ooh, uh, that's a bad, Steve, that's a bad yeah, Steve Standard, Steve Muhammad, C. Joe, Steve Muhammad. And uh, actually, funny. Steve Muhammad was one of my one of my aunt's teachers way back in the day in the Black Panther when she was a uh, the Black Panther. She was one of her teachers back in the day in Kimbo. Oh wow! But um, so Guru Clip was one of those one of, one of those people who helped to found that. And then of course he was um, he was a professional bodyguard for like over twenty years. You know he bodyguarded people like Larry Flint. You know uh, the guy who started up. You know was it uh, uh, Penthouse Magazine? Hustler. He was a you know, hustler he, magazine. You know, a hustler. It was a hustler. Yeah, one is one of those magazines. <laughs> Hustler, yeah, it was Hustler. So, you know, and, and, and I mean, it's like he's got a who's who list of people that, you know, you know, Saudi, you know, uh, you know Saudi, uh, like royal families, you know, and things like that. He traveled around the world for over 20 years doing like executive protection. Yeah. And and so, you know, all of his art, all of what he teaches is, you know, field testing. And then he has his own system that he's put together now called uh, Kilat Hukalan Pinjak Silat Sala, which is based upon what he trained in. You know, from the late Pindecker, Paul de Tours and his studies in other, you know, Indonesian, you know, martial arts. So when I met him, I had already, you know, been studying, you know, I had studied Sarah, you know, Silat under a few different teachers, a few different variations. And Kuntal Silat, I studied with some of the Bapak Willem de Tours, one of the brothers, and some and several other people. And so when I met him, you know, he asked to see some of what I did. Or you know, show me your, your please. You know, show me some what you have. So I show him this. I've done some sada. I show him this and that and the other. Yes, you know, I'm still working on this and that. He's like, oh, brother, you a guru? <laughs> I was like, no, sir, I'm not a guru. You know, I never, you know, I never received that title. You know, they said there were still there were still some other things. Some people wanted to impart to me. Whatever. I was like, listen, I've been doing sleep. I've been doing sada for you know 30 years, and I'm telling you, you a guru, <laughs> and that's it. And so I trained with him, you know, privately for uh, for many many years. You know, I would travel back and forth. Uh, when I was living in the Bay Area, I would travel down. I would stay with him for sometimes a week at a time. Just, you know, stuff on the floor of his house, drive him around town. He took me introduced me to different people that he worked with and things like that. And he gave me a lot of really important keys behind the sea lot. But then one day, you know, himself and several others, they you know they they co-signed the certificate for me. No one told me it was happening. It just came in the mail, and it said to Anguru. And uh, and then it was shortly after that that people within the Filipino martial arts community started referring to me as a Tuhan. I didn't give that rank to myself. Just people started calling me that in the Filipino martial arts. But that that rank of Tuhan came about after the Indonesian martial arts, uh, uh, you know, had given me that bestowed that rank to me. And then the Filipinos, a lot of people, the Filipino martial arts started calling me that. Other students of mine started calling me Apo Tuhan. Which is which, which is it's like a, another familial title, um, you know, with, within that. And then uh, shortly after that was then when you know Grandmaster Medina and uh, other people in the Jerobio community started referring to me as a Tuhan. And then you know they wrote it in their, he wrote it in his book and everything else. And so that's just kind of that's kind of how it happened. That's kind of how it stuck. You know, um, what was the name of know, what was the name of Master Medina's book? Uh, let me see. I think I have it here. It's, it's called The Secrets of Nerobio Screamer. Okay. And so he wrote in the book, and like, he wrote like a foreword in there, you know, you know, just, you know, he just mentions me by name, you know, that I, you know, was, you know, that, he, you know, uh, I had encouraged him to, to write about Nerobio, and he just, you know, he just mentioned me, gave, you know, gave some, you know, gave some love, and, and had mentioned me, hey, you know, two on Brandon Jordan. This and this and this, and he wrote it. He wrote it in the book, but like you know, I didn't have anyone like you know. I didn't go through like some special ceremony where you know they you know baptize me in blood and call me a two on or right. whatever else. It's just <laughs> yeah, chicken blood. Me, and all that decided, stuff. hey, we're, we're calling this guy two on. This is what you are, and, and it stuck. 
you know, and then people in the drovial community start to refer to me as such. And then, you know, that happened because after a point in time, you know, I, I, I've trained with different arts and different teachers. Uh, I put together my own system. We are called Mandala Mandarigma Drovio. Mandala Mandarigma just means essence preserving environment of the warrior arts. So because I've had so many different teachers throughout the years and, and, and bestowed different ranks from them, it, 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 I couldn't take everything and put it all together under Drobio and call it classical Drobio because it's not giving grace to everyone who's contributed to the wisdom and knowledge they've passed on to me. So my teacher said, it's time for you to put together your own system and, and to develop your own path within what you have. And so as time went by, then our system became recognized as the fifth house, the fifth recognized lineage of the Drobio. So you have the Padoi School of Drobio in Hawaii. You have uh, the General Oblin School of Drobio as well from the Largo Brothers. Uh, you have, um, uh, what else do you have? Uh, you have Pulahan Drobio from the Shanko Collective uh, in uh, Southern California. You have Ola Nalo, which is being headed by uh, uh, Ron England. That's his very his 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 Drobio. You have Masha Pai Drobio, which is Grandmaster Medina's Drobio, and then you have myself as the Mandala Mandalima uh, Drobio. So all of us are like individual lineage heads of our own branches. So over time went by, everybody just kind of came together and said, "We're recognizing you as a as a founder of your own methodology of how you express Drobio." Awesome. And that's that's. And how it stopped. That's kind of how all these titles came about. It just kind of came about as a surprise, to be honest with you. All right. Well, I, I I thought there were more black. I honestly thought there were other black men that were tumors. And uh, it was really when you and I spoke that time, it was the first time that I realized that there weren't others. I I never knew that. I always said assumed that there were more. There's only two that I know of. It's you, <laughs> <laughs> you and uh and Tuhan AK and Pakiti. But those, those are yeah, only two. AK Baraka. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's him. I've never met him, yeah. but I, you know, I, 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 people they speak highly of him. So yeah. uh, we're we're gonna we're getting into the home stretch of everything, and uh, the last thing, man, one of the last things, the state of the Filipino martial arts, man. You know, how do you how do you feel about it as a whole? You know, as far as where we're at. I think it's made a lot of inroads. I think there's been a lot of growth uh, in Filipino martial arts. Um, I think we still have a long ways to go. I still think there's a lot of areas that we can still see progress in. And in, in terms of Philippine martial arts, I think there's a lot of people out there who've been doing these arts for a very long time, who've been very overlooked, um, that, you know, that people don't necessarily know who they are, either because they're, they're, they're very quiet and don't, you know, don't want a lot of limelight, or just because for whatever reason, um, maybe they just haven't had the same level of, of uh, exposure or publicity uh, shared, you know, about what they're teaching and, and things like that. But I think there's a lot of growth. I, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting now seeing that, you know, Filipino martial arts is really kind of a mainstay in a lot of different things. I mean, it's in the movies, it's in this, it's in that, you know, I mean, just about everything else. There's so much choreography. I mean, like it's, it's, it's really grown and taken off in leaps and bounds. Absolutely. And, and it's, you know, and it's become a, 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 it's become a big part of like mainstream American or Western uh, martial arts culture. And I think that's good. I think it's good to see that, you know, I think it's good to keep a lot of the values and the core values that make these arts what they are. I think it's good for us to continue to maintain those things as well. But, you know, it's exciting now to see that like, you know, as you know, you know, we're doing this stuff way back in the day and even people long before myself, these arts were pretty unknown. Like, no one knew what Philippine martial arts was and whatever. It was just, it was always just stuff that even sticks and whatever else, and it's really proven itself to overall complete martial arts. Uh, you know, for all the different systems, they're all they're all a complete art, and so I'm, I'm happy to see that it's that's been so well accepted. In that, it's not one of those things now where people never heard about it, so it, it makes it easier for us to be able to, you know, reach the masses and reach other people in different communities, and, and be able to, you know, form friendships and and make connections with people. Yep. So. What I like to do, man, to uh, close the show out, you ever watch uh, Inside the Actor's Studio? No, I haven't. Okay. So Inside the Actor's Studio, there's it's this show basically on, I think it's on Bravo. I'm not too sure if it's still 
on television or not, but there's this guy, his name's uh, Larry Tipton, and he mm. and he interviews like all these celebrities and they have these in-depth, you know, interviews and he closes out the the show with 10 questions. So, I have a variation of those 10 questions that okay. <laughs> that's going to make it kind of fun. All right, so <laughs> there's not a right or wrong answer and okay. it's just <laughs> It's just pretty much whatever comes to the top of your head, man. All right. Okay. So, so question number one, your favorite weapons category. Swords. Question number two, your least favorite weapons category. Nunchucks. Mm. Okay. Question number three, what do you love about the Filipino martial arts? Everything. Number four, what turns you off about the Filipino martial arts? ego number five what do you love to do besides train i like to read question number six what do you hate about Filipino martial arts about anything man like you know blue i don't know that i hate any i don't know that i hate anything i i I don't i don't i don't like people uh that have closed minds i don't like i don't like anything that's closed-minded Close-mindedness. That's a good question. Yeah, or good answer. Number seven, your favorite curse word. Shit. Number eight, what martial art, <clears throat> excuse me, what martial art besides the Filipino martial arts would you like to try? I would like to try Kalari Paya, Indian martial arts. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. Number nine, what martial art would you not want to try? Ah. Uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> I don't think there is any art that I would not want to try. <laughs> right. Try everything at least once, right? Yeah, I would try anything at least once. Yeah, to see if I like it. Yeah. Okay. And the last question. When it's all said and done, man, when we transition, you know, from this earth, what do you want your martial legacy to be? That I did the best that I could to pass on what I had to the best of my ability. And, uh, and, and that what I passed on reflected the values and reflected the core essence and teachings of those who passed it on to me. Awesome. My man, bro. Thanks for being on the show, man. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate it, girl. Thank hey. you for having me. This has been a real joy and pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. If uh, people, they, they want to reach out to you, man, like have you in for seminars or they just want to keep up with you, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, you can call me. I mean, uh, folks can reach me on my my phone. My my number is three zero five nine eight one six one three five, or you can find me at uh, train with two hung dot uh, uh, com. Uh, that's, that's so that's you. You can find me there for my website for uh, any type of training for Filipino martial arts. Anything on social media like Instagram or? Uh, we we have a social. I, I think my my I want to say my Instagram is also train with two hung is what my instagram is okay awesome man all right well thanks again man for being on the show and uh, i'll be talking to you soon all right sounds good brother thank you all right man peace okay peace thank you for listening to our show subscribe rate share leave a review and follow us on facebook and instagram at south texas Kali. until next time stay safe and train hard peace <laughs>